You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Welcome back, guys and ghouls, for the second installment of our Halloween Horror 2018 going down the zombie road as we talk about the sequel to last week's film, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Brace yourselves, it's going to be an exciting, brain-filled episode, as usual, right here on 80s Revisited. Listen to the latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited during Halloween Horror Month. That's right, witches, we're back. I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, the zombie head with the screwdriver in its head, and also producer of a podcast or something. I don't know where I'm going with that. Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. With his country accent. That's right. Episode two of this year's Halloween Horror as we celebrate the 80s zombie movies. And this one being a sequel to the one we talked about last week. That's right. It's the second return of The Living Dead. The re-return of The Living Dead. Return of The Living Dead. Part 2. Released mm. January 15th, 1988. We got a zombie movie in the can. Let's release it in January. <laughs> Take a note, people. Just had Christmas. Yeah. What do people want? A zombie movie. All right. Let's release a horror movie. Never understood that. But that's why. Don't have to worry about it this year. Because Hollow Green, as it's called, because the director's last name's Green of the new Halloween film. Ah. So instead, because you, know, you have Halloween, the original, you have Rob Zombie's Halloween. So this one, to differentiate it in conversation, you say Hollow Green. It's kind of the accepted thing among horror. Horror uh, click fans, you I was know what I'm saying? That's so that way you know what movie flaky. I'm talking about. So uh, yeah, but uh, you know, the new Halloween's coming out middle of October. Perfect. Mm hmm. Perfect. And my friend who works at the theater always has already told me it's killing. They're making a killing right now with pre-sales on everything because it's a lot of hype going into it. It looks fantastic. But alas, we'll talk about that after it comes out. Today we're going to talk about a not-so-good sequel. <laughs> Spoiler alert, in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. IMDb gives it a 5.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 0% critics, but 43% audience. So some people like it. Most people hate it. Hmm. Anyway, it was directed by Ken Waderhorn. He also did Shockwaves and seven episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, which I have that series on digital, wink, and watched a few episodes last night, and it's so bad it's good. Much like this movie in some ways. Uh, it was also written by Ken Waderhorn. He also wrote Shockwaves and one episode of Freddy's Nightmares, most likely one that he probably directed. Hmm. If you remember last week, I mentioned when we talked about the cinematographer of the original Return of the Living Dead, Eh, didn't do too much. However, the cinematography on Return of the Living Dead 2 was done by a gentleman named Robert Ellswit. He would go on from this, which looks like a comedy movie, shot like, looks like a comedy movie with horror elements, which, I mean, that's what the movie is. Very simple. Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing noteworthy about it. He would go on to do some very, very good cinematography down the road. I would have guessed he went back home and shot his kids playing in the yard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Run. Hey. Uh, he would go on to do Hand the Rocks a Cradle. You know, good use of light in that. Boogie Nights. Wow. 8mm with Nicolas Cage. Magnolia. He would take a big step backwards and do Geely with wow. Ben Affleck and I think Lopez, Jennifer Lopez. I don't think whatever. anybody complained about the cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> that was the least of their worries. Hey. In fact, it might have been exceptionally well shot, but nobody would know, remember that, yeah. remembers that. I did watch it. Uh, one of my favorite underrated films, Men Who Stare at Goats. And most recently, he wow. did not the la- latest Mission Impossible, but the two before that, Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. And also, 
I think, at least from the ones that I've seen, probably his best work, uh, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Fantastically shot film. Very, very, a very modern-esque Blade Runner aesthetic to it with the uh, use, you know, being shot at night. Very hard to do and make it look good. And that film looked exceptionally good to where one of those films where the, the visuals so accompanied the tone and everything else in the movie, the score was fantastic for that film to it all. All the pieces went together and did fantastic. And starring, strangely enough, Tom Matthews again as Joey. Of course, he was in Friday the 13th Part 6. He's Tommy Jarvis, older Tommy Jarvis, I should say. And, mm-hmm. of course, he was in Return of the Living Dead that we talked about last week. And also returning again somehow, James Karen as Ed. Of course, Return of the Living Dead, Mohan Drive, and Poltergeist. But they're playing different characters. Which, honestly, I don't care because I truly enjoy them in this film. Right. They're what makes it watchable for me. Mm. Just because they're so ridiculously silly. And I think they, they, them together have good chemistry. They even make several times jokes about, when I die, I want to be cremated. Well, that's how he killed himself in the first one. Oh. Like, I, I swear, Ed, I feel like we've been through this before. You know, <laughs> meta jokes before they were even called that. Right. You know, back in 1988. So, to me, like, I, it, I wish they were, would have been in part three. I wish they would have been in part four. I wish they would have been in part five, because then I would have actually seen part four <laughs> and part five. every time. Yeah. Just as a running, you know, why not? You did it once. Yeah. But... As we'll get onto in the trivia, Tom Matthews hated the sequel so much, he said the best part about making this film was the outstanding craft services table. So, Not even I like to get the catering fellow people idea. on set. Uh, well, who knows? Because you don't know it's garbage when you're making it. Yeah, well, you would think. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I mentioned this last week uh, on the G. I think I did mention it last week with the GQ uh, stuff about uh, with Kyle McLaughlin, where he said like, "Yeah, showgirls, I read the script, want to work for Hoven." Seemed great on paper. Seemed great when we were shooting it. First five minutes of watching it, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. So they don't always turn, you know, go into it with the best intentions and something happens somewhere along the right, uh, along the way. Now, Michael Kenworthy is Jesse in this. <laughs> no relation to, not that you're related because the first name's in this world, but. No, that's how it works. <laughs> so, you know, there's so many Jesses, you know, they're right. like Smiths. Yeah. You're all related. Uh, he was also in The Blob, 80, the remake, which we covered uh, last year on Halloween Horror, and one episode of Growing Pains. Uh, the lovely, I'd say, Suzanne Snyder was Brenda in this film. Fantastic scream. She has a, a great screen scream. Uh, she was a veteran of the podcast, being in Weird Science. She was also in Remo Williams with Fred Ward, he of Tremors fame, and also Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which was covered on the BAMcast not too long ago. Uh, plug number one for the BAMcast with our friend for Down Under, Ben Tasmanian Devil White. Uh, also starring Marsha Dietlin, I assume that's how you pronounce it. Uh, she was Lucy. She was also in Little Children, which, uh, if you haven't seen it, yep, it's good. It's fucked up, but it's <laughs> good. It's in that hard candy area of uh. cinema. <laughs> Put it to you that way. And most notably, which I had no clue he was in this until I rewatched it for the first time in like 10 years since, or for the pod- or since seeing it last for the podcast, uh, Dana Ashbrook as Tom, of course, Billy from Twin Peaks. Uh, he was also in Ghost Dad, The Willies, and Dawson's Creek. So, I don't know if you, I'm like, what? who the, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. That's Bob, Bo- oh, I said Billy, but it's Bobby. Bobby, Bobby Briggs. Briggs. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. Faux pas on my part. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh my God, it's Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks. So, it was great seeing him pop up. And then again, returning from the last one, Alan Trotman as the tar man in this one, who's in the sewer in this one, as opposed to the mortuary in the first one. Of course, he was in Return of the Living Dead as the original Tar Man, the more iconic one. This one's just a kind of a redo of the makeup. Same kind of thing, covered in KY Jelly and all the other kind of fun stuff, or whatever it was we mentioned last week, the chemical that was used. Uh, and popping up in a brief cameo, not cameo, but very minor role, Mitch Pileggi as Sarge, of course, uh, Skinner from the X-Files, Shocker, mm. and the Fox documentaries of the 90s, Breaking the Magician's Code, which are laughably hilarious. Back then... I think it was maybe 13, 14 when they came out, so it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, they're breaking the code. They're going to get some magician code. They're, they're doing these illegal, illegal things. And then sure enough, Mitch Pileggi was there to narrate how dangerous and how amazing the mass <laughs> magician was. And now watching it, because they're on Netflix. It might still be Netflix or Hulu. It's just... YouTube. Now, now it's just so entertaining to watch just the whole presentation. Right. It's so bad. But it's great at the same time. But yeah, Return of the Living Dead 2, I actually saw this one as a kid before the first one. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it was one of those things like Halloween 2. Back in the day, they would always play Halloween 2 on USA 
on Halloween night, no matter what day of the week it was. They never played Halloween 1 mm. until much later. I don't know. Can't right, afford you, it. Pro- probably. Mm. Right? Who knows? what For whatever reason. So, like, this is one I saw on TV a lot as a kid. And, like, oh, great. And then it was also, much like the original, in my opinion, very iconic cover art. Uh, look up Fright Night. I think Fright Night came out before this. I'm pretty sure Fright Night might have been 87, 86, 85. Uh, so it does kind of copy the Fright Night aesthetic with the cover, with the clouds being yeah, the uh, face. Was, when I saw this, I was like, I've seen this before. Because when I first saw the Fright Night cover, That's exactly. I was thinking, like, you know, just because as a kid, I go to the horror section and just stare at the covers. Like, oh, these are so cool. What is that about? I always assumed these were related, even though... You, Nothing related. Didn't even, you know, oh, why don't you read the names? I was looking at the cover art, like, oh, this must be, oh, wait, this isn't. This, and all, plus, it says part two on it. So, as a kid, my young mind is like, wait, part two, is this related? They look so exact, because it's literally ripping it off. But I still think they're, of course, Fright Night, fantastic cover as well. But the Return of the Living Dead one, too. Great, great cover. Uh, that's, you know, not as good as part one with the zombie spray painting the tombstone, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely one of those VHS covers that was just like oh this looks so cool yeah much cooler than the product contained on the celluloid (laughs) inside the cardboard box uh nevertheless (laughs) this movie is still fun uh again james karen and tom matthews uh they're a great comedic duo and uh i'm remiss to uh the doctor's name philip bruns he's a doctor in this uh he's he's fantastic because they know they're in a comedy movie Mm -hmm. this is a comedy horror movie so everybody's acting that way. It's not like, like I mentioned, but I do like it on the other hand, like for example, the Meg, Jason Statham knows he's in a movie about a gigantic shark that comes up from the deepest parts of the ocean. Like it's a Megalodon. Oh, I got to do that. You know, but he plays it very seriously and that it benefits the film for that. Cause it makes you take it a little more seriously. There's no seriousness in this film, hmm. which a good horror comedy, a horror com is fantastic. And, you know, again, this is not the best movie, but it's it's it does have enough uh, great practical effects. Nowhere near as good as the first one because this one is actually pretty tame in terms of the gore, as opposed to the first one. And unfortunately, there's no uh, Linnea Quigley running around in a prosthetic JJ or anything like that. No boobies. <laughs> this is almost like the Goonies meet zombies, hmm. in a sense. Nowhere near as good as the Goonies. Right. Don't get me wrong; it's not the same ballpark, but it's got that tongue in cheek. You know, your main protagonist are very young kids. So it's, I say very young. One's very, very young. The others are, te- you know, supposed to be teenagers. But it really works for this film. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely is reminiscent of the tone of the original in terms of the original Return of the Living Dead, not Night of the Living Dead. Because uh, technically, it's a, you know, it's what we talked about last week. It branches off sort of to the Romero trilogy, or was a trilogy, but now a quintology, whatever it is with his. And, uh, Quintology as well with Return of the Living Dead so hmm. but nevertheless if you haven't seen it again it's it, you're probably not going to watch it more than once in your life probably because the first one is so much better 110% the original kicks the sequel's ass but if you haven't seen it and you liked Return of the Living Dead there's worse things you could watch <laughs> absolutely it's again it's just fun and in fact it's it's you know you could let young kids even watch this one you know like okay the zombies are very com. They're more thriller. This is more thriller than a Romero zombie movie or a tradition or a, a, like we're going to watch in a couple weeks. City of the Living Dead. This is nothing like those zombies mm. that are horrific. These are comedy zombies. Like for example, uh, Brenda gets scared and just ah turns like there's a jump scare for her. She turns around and just punches, punches a zombie in the face and green goop. You know, <laughs> comedic effect. You know, if this was the Walking Dead, it'd be like yeah. you know massive brain matter and all sort you know horrific like Ugh. no this is like <clears throat> you're gonna laugh at it it's like yeah. it's silly the the gore is it's good but it's got that it's like garbage bill kids not the movie the card series to <laughs> which where, you was know, popular then yeah exactly <laughs> tying it in you know to where it's they're gross but it's still there's humor there it's dark humor but it's there and you know again this series set its tone with the first one that this is going to be a this is going to be we're here to have fun and to have some you know tell a, a, a horror a funny horror story. Does first one does its job exceptionally well. Hmm. This one, eh, it's worth it. Again, if I, pick one, the first <laughs> one. 
However, this chill. series this series is a you know it peaked with the first one and it's all downhill with this series. Granted, I haven't seen the fifth one. Uh, the third one tries to be a horror and it's got the lovely Melinda Clark in it, but it's much more. Uh, it, it tries to be much real more horror. Serious. Like it doesn't even say. Yeah, comedy it's straight up horror. There. Like it's meant to be. I mean, there's nothing scary about it. It's gross. There's there's some very gross effects in it, but it's more Hellraiser meets mm. zombies than uh, anything previous in this series. You'll say she kind of looks like Kerrigan from StarCraft. Like yeah. after she turns. Well, of course, I mean, again, going to the VHS cover art, which was that one with the red, right? That background. I was like, oh god, who's this chick? Like this is that's hot. You well, know? that's exactly what they were hoping for. Exactly, and that's what brought me into it. Like, oh, I want to see it. I've seen the heard the other ones. Like, and then watching, it's like there's no humor in this. There's nothing funny. You know, she, she tortured, or I say tortures, but she, she, the reason she looks like that, we're looking at the movie posters, because the pain makes the hunger go away. So that's why she puts all this sh- spikes in her and basically becomes Lady Deathstrike. <laughs> for the most part. So she's a wow. violent zombie. Because, of course, in this series, when you're a zombie, if you're exposed to the gas, you're, you still have all your cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. You just want to eat brains. Yeah. And you're dead. You're not alive your heart's not beating etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know it's a, it's a it's a this series has its own unique take on the zombies the only way to kill them is with electricity as we learn in this one uh for good uh and there's even the michael speaking of thriller earlier how this one's much more like thriller they i just remember there's a, a thriller reference that they throw into this movie <laughs> right at the end when they're getting electrocuted as the zombie starts dancing <laughs> and doesn't even do any moves from thriller or at least none of the might classic ones what's that might get sued Probably. I mean, the jacket's close enough, to, and it's a zombie, so you get what they're going at. But yeah, again, if you haven't seen it, it's it's the time of year to watch it. Don't watch it in January on January fifteenth in the winter. There's no need to. It's January. Watch something else. Watch whatever the hell you want. But October is perfect for such films. But anyway, some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, remember we talked about when we talked about V the miniseries, how when they had they they would cut away from the laser effects because they cost either like a thousand or something like that per yeah. effect. Well, this that was I think in what eighty early eighties. This is late eighties. So the electrocution effects at the end of this film, those were all hand drawn again. That you know, that classic kind of cheesy look. As they do, uh, as you see in so many movies of the time. But those were that whole scene ended up costing, and for the final sequence when they're all getting electrocuted, costs fifty thousand dollars, which is still less than one laser fight from V, a few uh, yeah. years earlier. So, uh, oh, speaking of, I mentioned how the tone of it was, uh, you know you. I would let a kid watch. When I say a kid, I mean you know eight or nine, ten. Well, well, I say well adjusted, but I don't know what that means for a kid because mine's only five months old. Uh, you know, but if you know if a kid like, oh, I like the scare, I like watching scary stuff. Okay, well, this is a good intro. If you can handle this, okay. But I think kids again, you know, so in Star Wars you have severed limbs. Uh, you know, so in this you have no really. None of the zombies to me are scary. They're they're just hilarious. Like one of them has worms on her face, but you can tell they're little animatronic worms that like just go. Nice. One they move in one direction, back and forth, and it's to me it's it's funny. I mean, again, they're they're eating brains. There's a couple of scenes of you know them biting into heads and pulling away some red matter that looks more like intestines than brains. But I mean, it's brief. Uh, but anyway, the MPA actually would have given the film a PG-13 as opposed to R if the scene in the hospital where the zombie is shot in half was toned down. Which that's probably one of the better examples of the of the gore in the film, of the practical effects where they shotgun a zombie in half, and then in in traditional in Return of the Living Dead fashion, the bottom half's walking around like an episode of Looney Tunes, yeah, and the bottom half's trying to grab it. So if, cheap joke, yeah, yeah, but it works. It's you know like, it's like you can't help you know you it's like like I mentioned for the pre- the predator last week how when they say get to the choppers, it's dumb as hell, but I giggled like. Like, but I, I, again, I know why I get a groan. Yeah. I'm like, oh God. But it's, <laughs> it's a smiling groan. But, uh, James, as I mentioned before, uh, James characters, James Karen's character, Ed mentions how he, he wants to be cremated. Reference to the first one, how his character dies in that. And then, uh, Brian Peck, the actor, I didn't mention cause he's a bit role in this one, but he's the only person who have a role in the first three films of this franchise. Uh, he was scuzz in the original. And he was some of the close-up zombies in the second. Zombies called Puss Face. Th- oh, he was Thriller. He was the dancing zombie. Uh, jaw, Eye Pop, and Zombie on Car Roof. So, uh, 
so I guess he's technically a stuntman for some of those because he was doing some stunts. <laughs> uh, and finally, ballistics technician in the third. So he didn't do a zombie in the third, but he still showed up. So he was in the first three. He's the only one that can claim that. Hmm. Uh, the script, this script was actually not written as a sequel to this franchise. Producer Tom Fox was interested in the story, but would only finance it if uh, Ken Whiterhorn, who wrote it and directed it as well, would agree to make it part of the series. Hmm. So, But, I mean, it's a zombie film. So you just have to write in that it's the gas that causes it and go with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's an easy adaptation or, excuse me, adjustment, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, the, the Michael Jackson impersonated zombie was actually a uh, improv type thing on set. We're like, oh, we got, we all just throw this in. Uh, and they took three and a half hours to apply his makeup. Doesn't look like it when you see it. Uh, I believe it. They said some of the other makeup in the film, but not that one. And that's about all the behind the scenes stuff. That I haven't already mentioned, like Tom Matthews thinking the craft services were, ex- his, to quote him, outstanding. <laughs> now, I mentioned last week, too, there's a fantastic documentary, the first one on YouTube. Uh, there's nothing really about this one for the most part, uh, unless it's fan-made. Like, we're looking at one now. They won't stay dead. I don't know if it's a behind-the-scenes thing or not. Uh, kind of looks like it. Well, maybe. Does it have a year on it? Oh, this year. This year, not August 27th. So, yeah, it was just released. Oh, okay. Looks like a special effects guy talking about his work, which is the most interesting part, let's be honest. Right, right. Uh, that's uh, what's you know, more exciting to hear about, like, oh, how they did this effect or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, as I mentioned before, we're going to talk, I was saving s- some stuff from last week to talk about this week, about this franchise. Uh, at, this franchise is dead, no pun intended. There's, there's nothing in the pipe for it. Uh, there's no part six coming out after part three, which barely had a theatrical run. They were all direct to video. There's the Michael Jackson one. As you can see, three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. <laughs> it's a jacket and some latex smeared on his face. Right, right. I think they might need to get a better special effects guy. I mean, there's no close up. If it took that long to apply, give it a little something more than that. He doesn't even look like a zombie <laughs> at all. Just they put some green on his face and rolled with it. But anyway, I'm not a special effects person, so I don't know. But I've seen enough movies to be able to make that judgment. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, zombies are more popular. Well, Walking Dead is on a severe decline. And we know Andrew Lincoln is leaving after this season. So that shows, again, well, pun intended now, dying mm-hmm. a slow death. Because it should have ended a few seasons ago, if you ask me. Oh, and speaking of, rest in peace, Scott Wilson. Uh, Herschel yeah. passed away. And he was in... We were just talking about yeah, last week. last week on the Behind the... If you haven't seen Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, he's in that. And I did not know this until today, but he was uh, Pa Angel in the original Judge Dredd with Stallone. Hmm. So, if you haven't seen that in a while, which I haven't, although I love it, it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, but he's in that too. But fantastic actor, sorry to see him go. Uh, and then supposedly he does have some scenes in the season of The Walking Dead, so now it's like... Bittersweet, like flashback type stuff, I, I imagine, gotcha. with Maggie or something. Uh, I have the episode downloaded, haven't watched it yet. I mean, I have the episode on demand, haven't watched it yet. Wink. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I mean... I'll, I stopped so long ago. You did, You you probably did better than I did. I mean, again, Jeffrey D. Morgan, love him to death in the show. All right. He's what keeps me watching right now. Uh, but I'm probably going to wait till all the season's done and then just watch it till I see how they write Rick out or what happens and then... I'm yeah. done until the they, until the last episode. Then I will see how they how do they end this. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, a few years ago, zombies were the most hottest thing in the world. The Walking Dead, uh, you know, Resident Evil Seven came out not too long mm-hmm. ago. Resident Evil, you know, video games are everywhere. The zombie franchise, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, whatever part they're on, came out today. They have the zombie mode back, which is always a big thing for that series. Yeah. Which is pretty fun as well. Elvira was in the last one as a you know Halloween add-on thing or something, which always good to mention her around this time of year. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know zombies aren't as popular as they used to be. Uh, so you know maybe another ten years or so maybe they'll come. Somebody will try to bring this franchise back. I think it's ripe for that. In terms of you don't have to have a continuation. You can just call it. I mean you don't have to say it's a remake. Just you can make you know. A return of the return of the living dead, you know, because again, this series is comedy. Stay true to that with some great special effects, and you're, that's all you need. Part two, again, this one we're talking about today, it did that and it sufficed. Hmm. The first one did it and it was phenomenal, in my opinion. So much fun, so great, so ridiculously funny and 
horrific at the same time, but it works. This one, again, does its best. It works, but, I mean, by the hair of a chinny-chin-chin, so to speak. Uh, But anyway, about the history of this franchise, again, the original film has its roots in a novel by John Russo, which is also called Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Rousseau and George Romero parted ways after the 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Rousseau retained the right to use any film or any ti- make anything with the title "Living" featuring Living Dead, while Romero was free to create his own series of sequels, beginning with Dawn of the Dead. So basically, Romero just can make anything with Living Dead. Right. And it was an amicable split. They weren't like, oh, well, fuck you, George, I'm taking this. Well, fuck you, I'm going to go do this. It was just, they just parted, you know, amicably. At least that's what I've read. If anybody, any other horror aficionados know better than me, let us know. Here's a visit at gmail.com. But that's why you have, you know, Night of the Living Dead. And then depending on which choose your own adventure you want to take, you have Return of the Living Dead, one, two, three, four, five. Mm. Or you can go Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Survival of the Dead. I think I got them all. I might have missed one in there because they got a little out of hand near the end uh, from Romero's. And again, tonally, completely different. They're not the same. Like, they're, this is not the same. They split. They're not the same universe. Although, Night's, I mean, uh, Return of the Living Dead is the only one that acknowledges night. Whereas the other ones, you know, day has nothing to do with dawn. That's nothing to do with night. It's all just different stories in this world where this has happened. So they all tie into an event that's happening, but that's not, you know, Return, like, like oh, didn't you hear about that, that Night of the Living Dead or the zombies, whatever, blah, 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 blah. They directly are saying, well, this is what they did with them. Hmm. So basically, in all honesty, Return of the Living Dead is the true sequel to Night of the Living Dead. It recognizes the original and also maintains the Living Dead name throughout. Although, let's be honest, I mean, Return of the Living Dead, again, phenomenal. But, uh, I mean, Romero's original trilogy is still, you know, you have that, you have, well, Dawn is so long. Uh, in terms of length is what I'm referring to, and also the social commentary about consumerism. You know, you're getting, you're getting deeper into the symbology, to quote Boondock Saints of that. <laughs> yeah. you know. Whereas Return of the Dead is like, we don't care. We're not making a statement. Here is a, here is a funny horror movie. It's October. Fucking watch it. It's fantastic. This one, almost. Good enough. But yeah, so anyway, as of today, four sequels, including the last two, uh, which both came out in 2005, including, I think, part four was Rave to the Grave, which I actually saw that one, I think, on TNT. Mon- not Monster Vision, but, you know, one of their late night things. Like, what the hell is this zombie movie I've never heard of? And like, we return to Return of the Living Dead for Rave to the Grave. Like, oh, God. And then I turned it off. <laughs> no, you, you got to draw the line somewhere. You found a rhyming word and went with it. Why not? <laughs> Why the hell not? Uh, a documentary titled... Oh, here we go. Sorry, never mind. I didn't remember my own notes because I wrote this like two months ago. A documentary titled More <laughs> Brains, A Return to the Living Dead, was released in 2011. The film was an account of the tongue-in-cheek style apocalyptic zombie movie. Oh, wait, this is for the first one. Sorry, that's why. My bad. I was right the first time. Uh, that was about uh, part one, which is... That might be the same one. I think that's the same one that's on YouTube that you can watch for free. Uh, feature contributions from all the main cast as well as clips, photographs, storyboards, conceptual art, political materials, archival documents, and last footage. Etc. Etc. It's on YouTube. Watch it. It's a great documentary. It's a fun documentary because uh, they. I love documentaries for films where it's not just you know random like well, I was going for this film was blah 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 like I want to I want to know about the production. This is behind the scenes. I can watch the movie and get that shit out of it. You know, like, oh he came to me and told me he wanted to do this and we talked about it and that's how we came up with this idea for the film or something like that's that's the fun stuff for me when we talk about behind the scenes. I don't give a shit about. Yeah, you know, and, you know, the gravita of the scene was really important. That's for the director commentary. Yeah. You know, if you're behind the scenes, like, this shot was, except we had to shoot this 57 times because the pipe in the zombie's neck would, kept shooting the blood blood in the wrong direction or whatever the hell. You know, go with that. This documentary is like that. Much like the uh, fantastic Never Sleep Again documentary for the Nightmare series and the uh, Crystal Lake Memories five-hour one for Friday the 13th. Still waiting for one for the Halloween series that's, Really good. There's a great one for four and five, Halloween four and five, on uh, YouTube, uh, featuring the no relation Daniel Harris, uh, the lovely, lovely Daniel Harris, extensively. So that's always good to watch. I'm researching this rave to the grave thing. Uh huh. There's something strange going on here because it came out in 2005. Look at the cast: Amy Lynn, Corey, John, Jenny, whatever. 
And there's another movie called Return of the Living Dead Necropolis, released mm-hmm. in 2005. Same year. Same yeah. year. Same cast. Which was very strange, because if you look at the cast list, there they are again. Because it, it did say that they, most, I mean, I read, sorry guys and girls. I did read that they said they filmed them the same, they released them the same year. But if it's that, that identical, weird. they must have just filmed them at the same time. I was going to say, yeah. They, it's like two different stories, or, probably. Or they filmed same. one movie that was so Cut ridiculous. In two different ways. And then just, exactly. Okay, we shot so much of this rave scene, we're going to just make a whole movie about that. Now I want to watch them to see. Yeah. Damn it, Jesse. I have to, <laughs> I have to know now. Return of the Living Dead Necropolis or Return of the Living Dead Rave to the Grave. Completely different covers. They're considered different sequels, so it has to be... Interesting enough, both have a 3.2 on IMDb. Mm, the uh, writer and director the same? Uh, that's a good... Ella Roy and... Yeah, Ella. Ella Roy, yeah. Well, well, well. We'll get I to the bottom I, of this and report back. I'm thinking this is the same movie. Weird. Mm, well... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to... They look like different reading. movies, though. Like, Of course, there's a group of teenagers... So Necropolis, a group of teenagers in an attempt to rescue their friend from an evil corporation, end up inadvertently releasing a horde of bloodthirsty zombies. Okay. That sounds kind of like Resident Evil-style yeah. stuff. Now, going back to Rave to the Grave, a college student creates a drug called Z and sells it on campus, inadvertently re- resurrecting the living dead who wreak havoc at a Halloween rave. That sounds completely different. Oops. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this, one's my at meth a rave. is making zombies. And once a bunch of teenagers taken down a corporation. So I wonder if they're direct sequels. Maybe they're like... In the same year. That'd be interesting. Although, if it, if it was, why not call it that? I don't know. Oh, I will, I will bear this burden. I will watch these films. Also, apparently no one dies in it because they're on the same cast. Or they become cast. zombies and they're just... Oh, right, Cause, yeah. Well, that is... Well, Named it is, zombies. It is tradition for the series that people come back as different characters. Like uh, Tom Matthews and uh, James Karen. So that's not beyond the realm of possibility at all. Wow. We'll find out and report back. Uh, score-wise for Return of the Living Dead 2, I'll give it a 6. Worth watching. Not a must-see. But if you, if, you, if, you never, if you watch Return of the Living Dead, the first one, and love it like I do, and you want a little bit more of that, watch Part 2, and you're done in terms of that tone of film. Part 3, Belinda Clark was super hot in the 90s when it came out. Had a crush on her. That's why I watched it. <laughs> the cover does make it look badass. However, it's not. So at your own risk for part three. And yeah. the other two, I'll let you know. <laughs> Sometime. I will take this burden. <laughs> I will take it. I will watch this shit. I will waste my life for you, the listeners. Or if you've seen them and want to save me some time, quickly... Send an email to 80srevisited.gmail.com before it's too late. As fast as you can. And keeping with the horror theme, in the real world, again, this came out January, i got to say, 15th, correct? Oh, yeah, 88. On the same, oh, I'm sorry, no, no, not the same day. A little over a week and a half later, on January 26th, The Fam of the Opera, the Broadway play, Andrew Lloyd Webber, the longest-running Broadway play ever, opened for the first time on January 26th, 1988. Never seen it on Broadway, but I've seen it in New Orleans, London, and uh, Vegas. London was the best. Mm. Probably because that's where it originated. Yeah. That was like seeing part one, different cast, obviously, but the Vegas one was so like over the top with stunts and stuff, it detracted from the fantastic music, which uh, if you have never heard Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera, I would recommend it. That's actually the, well, my parents took me and brother to see it when I think I was in early high school, when it was a touring company in New Orleans, that was the first like you know off broad or Broadway traveling Broadway show I'd ever seen, and uh, I was blown away. I was like, "Wow, this music is fantastic!" Mm-hmm. And then uh, from that, like, "Oh, what other stuff has Andrew Lloyd Webber done?" I'm, I say it that way because my mother watched The Nanny, <laughs> and Mr. Sheffield would always be like, "Don't talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber." He was always competing with him because he was a playwright or something, mm. whatever his occupation was that made him super rich to afford a nanny in New York. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so like, uh, and of course, you have the Joel Schumacher film version, which is decent, I'd say. It's not bad. But if you're looking for a horror version of the film, you always have the original with Lon Chaney, 
uh, but also on, I want to say it's on Amazon or maybe Netflix too. It's on one or two of the streaming services. But the 80s one with Robert Unglund as the fan of the opera is, you know, it's pretty decent. I'm not going to say it's fantastic or anything. It's, it's, it's the story. 89, that's it. Uh, Watch now with Prime Video. Oh, so it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, again, it's not, <laughs> it's not the musical. It's the book. Uh, and of course, as you can see from the cover, that's the exact VHS cover. It's totally playing on the fact that Robert Unglund was Freddy Krueger. Robert Unglund was Freddy. Now he's the Phantom of the Opera. An all-new nightmare. Come on. Great marketing, especially for the time, because Freddy was hot shit in the 80s. All right. <laughs> Again, TV show. It's not... Name another pedophile. Fictional. I was gonna say that is as popular as Freddy Krueger. Oh, fictional. Well, exactly. Yeah. All you know, hashtag all weight. <laughs> uh, you know, but for example, there was a there's a shirt that it's a, and I got it for Violet to wear for Halloween. My my daughter wears a shirt with Freddy Krueger on it. Yes, I know he's a pedophile. It's all in good fun. Because uh, they downplay tend to downplay that a lot when you know with Freddy. Kid, you know, kids fucking love Freddy in the eighties. I loved him. Didn't, he didn't terrify me. He was just, he was fucking funny. <laughs> that does not excuse his horrific crimes. Right. Not saying it does. But in terms of your slashers, you got, you know, mouth shut, not talking Myers and Voorhees. <laughs> then you got Freddy. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Dropping Arnold Schwarzenegger quality one-liners from part <laughs> three on. You know, and he's just a horrific character, but also, okay, that's funny. But I'm glad you're in hell, Freddy. <laughs> Fuck you, Freddy. <laughs> fuck you, Freddy. You know, fuck, that was funny. You got a great personality, but burn in hell forever. <laughs> anyway, but, but it's a little pink onesie. It has a cartoon Freddy, and it says, always follow your dreams. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's cute. Because, I mean, she's going to wear it this year. Because kids grow like a fucking weed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Fan of the Opera, if, uh, I, in my opinion, highest possible recommendation in terms of the musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Schumacher one, I think, is on Netflix if you want to watch a film version, which, again, not bad. I think they did a good job with the music. Uh, but uh, you can always listen to the original Broadway cast recording of Phantom. That's how I listened to it repeatedly back in the day after seeing the stage play. Because, of course, you see it, and then they sell. They don't sell soundtracks of that because you have rotating Phantoms. I mean, and cast members change, obviously. But the original uh, has Sarah Brightman as Christine and Michael Crawford, I think, was the original Phantom. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one thing I love about listening to different like different people sing your different portrayals on Broadway is sort of like we kind of joke about oh I would love to see how awesome would it have been to see this movie in the 80s if Mel Gibson was actually going to play that role or how, how different would it be you know we, we've talked about the what ifs yeah. of the movies we talked about well one of the cool things about Broadway is that you know not that I ever I wanted to hear Neil Patrick Harris do Hedwig but, oh, like, no, Patrick Harris is doing Hedwig. Oh, that's interesting. Let me listen to it. Eh, I didn't care for it. Compared to, the, compared to the original John Cameron Mitchell version. You know, uh, for example, I loved uh, Gerard Butler, of all people, was a fan of the opera in the movie. I liked his vocals. And, again, I'm more, I'm, Jesse, you're so much, I mean, you're, you're a musician. I'm not a musician. Mm. I like, in, when I hear somebody sing, what gets me the most is hearing that emotion in it. Yeah. To me, it's secondary if they hit the notes. Yeah. But again, I don't have an ear for that anyway. So, but I like his raw, like, because Phantom's a very sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I, at that time in high school, I'm, I'm trained with taking Accutane to get rid of acne and all that. You know, oh, <laughs> I, I, I sure didn't relate to this guy. I didn't talk like that in high school. I'm just using it for effect. I did. No, <laughs> Some people do. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. High school's it's bullshit. It's going to be over and everything's going to be fine. Yep. You're, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be okay. But uh, anyway, what I'm getting at is in, but, you know, but Sarah Brightman's Christine is amazing because she has one of the most amazing voices out there. Uh, go watch Repo the Genetic Opera this month for Halloween as well and see her in that as Blind Mag. Phenomenal. Fantastic talent. Mike Crawford, very talented too, but he's very high. You know, he's like, oh, I'm the fan. That, that, sorry, sorry, everybody at home. You know, but he's, <laughs> I don't know, not soprano, but he's not like, you know, he doesn't have any kind of grit in his voice. Right. But he's, I mean, not saying it's bad. It's not bad. But I like that character to be more like, you know, I am I am tortured, a tortured soul. And that's what I liked about Gerard Butler's performance, in the movie at least, because you get that sadness in it. Whereas Michael Cross is very operatic, fitting, 100%. But 
the the when I went and saw it the first time was a gentleman named Brad Little, and he like one of the reasons that I was enraptured with this play was because he was so fantastic. He was the first one I saw, granted, but also like he had that emotion like on stage. He was very you know. Because when you're a stage actor, you have to you have to emote with your voice, enunciate, but also you know you have your emotions or excuse me your emotions usually tend to be have to be exaggerated so they can read to the back of the crowd and stuff like that. But, he, and, but I've seen some people in this play where it's they're just Sheriff of Nottingham from Prince of Thieves, Alan Rickman style, <laughs> chewing scenery. Like uh, we saw it actually in England where the guy when we were there for my brother's wedding, where like when he says "Turn your face away," like he so dramatically like pushes the actress's face like away like i'm like i'm like <clears throat> you know can help <laughs> like dude like that's so like like ra- like this like i can't explain it this much it was just comical if you know what i'm talking about if you've seen if you heard the player seen the play you yeah, know what i'm getting at but yeah highest possible recommendation for a fan of the opera it's great the music is phenomenal and timeless period and you can obviously just go to youtube and listen to some of the key tracks from it uh, to get you know give you a feel for it but if you like musicals you know, in terms of a movie, watch the Joel Schumacher one. It almost makes up for running the Batman franchise. And Jesse's actually playing a little bit right now of music of the night. See, so I don't like it when they're highlight. I don't. I don't yeah. like the fan. Like to me, he has to be a little more masculine. I know it's a toxic word right now, but you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's lived in a basement. He has no all. He he love. He knows and worships music. So I mean, that should show. But also the fact that you know he's grotesque. He can't go out. He, you know, when he he's a murderer. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's it's a tor- it's a true tortured soul type situation. So this character to me has to have that like you know like like draw both like feel it like I believe you like you're wanting her to listen you're teaching her in the song you're talking you're not just like I'm I'm playing the Phantom on Broadway <laughs> this is how we talk you know I studied Harvard Shakespeare at Cambridge you know very like operatic which again. It's Broadway. It's a play. It's Phantom of the Opera. It's about the opera. I understand that. Just talking about personal preference. But uh, but yeah, this, that's what started for me. Like, oh, let's go see Cats. Didn't like Cats. Cats is boring as fuck. Well, that, <laughs> that memory song is pretty badass, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> then Cats didn't like enrapture me. But then like, uh, but that's what led me to like, oh, I hear Rent's really good. Rent's phenomenal. That's probably one of my favorite right after Hedwig. Uh, in terms of just the music, just and again. And uh, if you haven't seen Rent, highest possible recommendation of that one, especially the movie version, because a lot of the, or 90% of the, 80% of the actors in the movie version are the original cast from Broadway. So you're getting, there it is, like, <laughs> like I mean, but it was, the one I saw was even more than that, just like, like and you can but tell the actors bad. just like, <laughs> I did. you can't see what I'm doing for comedic effects, she's like, like, what are you doing? Like, like what? You're pushing me and lifting up there. It was just like awkward. And I, and in fact, anytime me and Autumn like the song comes on a playlist or anything, like I always do that to her, dramatic like, push your face on that part, and as a reference to that, a little in joke for us. But anyway, uh, yeah, check out back uh, back to the future. Back to <laughs> definitely the check out future. Back to the Future. Check out uh, Phantom of the Opera if you have, if you've never heard it. Uh, if you like musicals, it's good. Mu- the songs are f- fantastic, and that's that's yeah. what won me. Like wow, I didn't realize you know musicals had good songs. Yeah. I know that's naive, but I mean, again, this was when I was 13, 14, 15 in high school. You know, of course, I'd seen The Wizard of Oz and all that. that I don't know if it was a play. I don't think it was a play at that point. You know, there was no mm-hmm. Wicked at this time or anything like that. Uh, you know, so it was like, you know, I always heard, you know, of Andrew Lloyd Webber and all that. And then watching that for the first time, I was just like mind blown. Like, wow, fantastic music. I love this. Yeah. This is great. Opened my mind. Opened up, up my mind. mind. <laughs> <laughs> the <quote> song. <laughs> Jesse, you should put a fan mask on and just coach me while I'm podcasting now. Uh, you know, so I want to hold the door for me personally, you know, and Broadway musicals, there's some fantastic music out there. Mm. Un- like, that you don't get. It's a different type of music, but it's so, like, when you find some something good, it's just so good, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. And again, I recommend Phantom, Hedwig, Rent, uh, just YouTube memory from Cats. Cats is overrated, in my opinion. It's all about but the Mr. one song. Yeah, I mean that song brings a tear to your eye. But because when we went and saw it, I'm like, okay, th- this music's not very good. But I know that I know that memory song's coming. Yeah. Two hours later, <laughs> there <laughs> it is. So 
I mean, great stage, like set design and like, you know, costumes. That's and a all spinning that. stage, right? Yeah, it was like, from my memory, like it was looked like a junkyard, like different. Oh, I thought it had like the uh, Lazy Susan stage. It had, some, it, it had something like that because it, it did just like yeah. things would move and stuff. Hmm. Again, this was so long ago. Right. But uh, definitely check it out. So I recommend that more so over Return of the Living Dead 2 if you're interested because <laughs> it's, it's, it'll enrich your life a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, back to the future this week. Uh, just to update on some of the movies that I've never seen that I've watched. Uh, and we'll probably cover on the podcast later, so I won't go into too much. But uh, Motel Hell is on Amazon. Enjoy it. Very, again, a, a horror comedy. Uh, very funny. Well acted. Uh, Wolfman Jack's in it. <laughs> then, <laughs> if that's a, a selling point for you. It's always good to hear the Wolfman appear in a movie. <laughs> Kids, if you don't know who Wolfman Jack is, Wikipedia is your friend. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Child's Play 2, which I've seen before. Remind me why I don't like that franchise. <laughs> uh. 2's alright, don't get me wrong. 3 is to where, to me, I don't watch anything after 3. Or, cause, they start pushing the comedy more. Uh, and it's, well, let me, let me, actually, let me, I take it back. Bride of Chucky. I, mm-hmm. I loved Bride of Chucky. I've only seen it once on TV. Never seen the real, like the theatrical version, because I never cared. I, again, never a Chucky fan. Like, Child's Play, like, <clears throat> You know, I'm just giggling the whole time. Yeah. Just because of, especially when you watch it now, the effects shine. They did a fantastic job. And now it would obviously be CG and look even worse. But they did a good job for what they have. But it's just so distracting watching Child's Play, which we talked about when we covered on the podcast a few years ago, Following Horror. Uh, when it goes from an animatronic doll that's two feet tall to a, uh, excuse me, little person in a suit that's three feet tall, it kind of takes my suspension of disbelief away. Which is, when you're dealing with practical effects, I think that's kind of the key. you got to keep people believing it. Of course, we know it's fake. Mm-hmm. You, know, you watch the thing, and of course, of course like that's not that dude's head, but it looks so good. The wall is not broken yet. It'll bend, but it won't break. You watch Nightmare on Elm Street, all the dream sequences. Okay? Looks, you, know, of, you can see the wires, you know, to use a term. You, know, you, can see, you, see, you understand, like, okay, that's where his arm ends and the appliance is taking over. But not enough to where it, in my opinion, ruins the illusion of what you're seeing. Uh, whereas, you know, in a, what a Child's Play 2, for example, like, oh, well, I don't know, Return, this very film we're talking about. There's a, when, the hand, when the zombie is on the roof of the car and they ro- roll the window up and it severed hands in the car, you can blatantly see it's a zombie hand, you know, cut off at the wrist like the thing from the Adams Family. Imagine that. But, so there's the appliance. Now hold up your hand. Now imagine that zombie sub's coming off of your wrist at a 45-degree angle. And then the rest of your arm's in black. That's mm. how they did that effect. And you can see it all over the... You can see the actors trying to hide the hand in all black... The arm of the operator in all black as it's grabbing their throat. Oh, wow. I'm illustrating it for Jesse. I know y'all can't see it. Just use your imagination. It's fantastic. <laughs> but when you watch... If you watch the film, look for the, the hand in the car scene. They have an animatronic hand they use for some shots. It looks fine. But when, like... If, so, if a zombie, if a hand is grabbing you by your throat, you're not going to grab it with two fingers and the rest of your fingers, I'm illustrating it for Jesse, again, I'm sorry you can't see it, are down like this, hiding the operator's hand as it's doing that. You know, again, I'll give it a pass for this one because it's a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. This isn't The Walking Dead or, you know, Dawn of the Dead or anything like that. Which, you know, those still have their things to where you can see the dude's head's too big. Oh, I guess he's going to get his head cut. There it goes. <laughs> you know, again, but I, I mean, that's from, that's from watching too many movies. I mean, to most most people don't it goes over their head. Pun intended for the helicopter zombie on Dawn of the Dead. Mm. You know, but uh, that suspension of disbelief for practical effects, I personally think, is just vital and make makes a big difference when you're watching, especially these older movies. Uh, like Motel was a child's child's play and all that. I mean, you can tell when it's animatronic. You can tell when it's a, a person's legs for showing the leg shot of Chucky running under something, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and again, there, some people love that series. Not just not for me. I'll take a Mike, a Jason, or Freddy, or a Pinhead. Well, we'll over Chucky. Although, I mean, Chucky is an icon. They're rebooting it. He looks like shit in it, but they're rebooting. You know, I mean, so I mean, I'm not discounting that. It's just you know, it's my B-roll for uh, horror movies. Although, again, Bride of Chucky, absolutely hilarious. Rest in peace, John Ritter. Is this but, the uh, reboot? The- is it? It's supposed to be a TV show, I thought, or something. Or oh. There's something going on with the series. Again, I'm not the crime. biggest fan. I didn't follow it too much. So, but huh. to me, the killer doll thing is just 
it's that was done with part one. Because <laughs> again, it, it just goes like oh, again, Bride of Chucky, horror comedy. Like they, they they went that route where it's like Child's Play three is meant to be scary. And you can only have it so much like, I didn't, I get tired of the kid. I didn't break it. It was Chucky. Dolls don't come alive, kid. You know, and they yeah. beat the kid and throw him in his room. And then Chucky kills the part of the dad. You know, he's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's, uh, it, but it's over and over and over. I didn't do it. Chucky did it. Enough with this Chucky nonsense. <laughs> Although blatantly the doll's not where I left it before. You know, I, you know, all this other stuff. So, again, just my opinion. It's, I mean, the first one's still a classic. It's still fun. Brad Dourif's fantastic in it. He's great as Chucky. Don't get me wrong. It's just I'll never pick it over a lot of other things. <laughs> bottom line. Uh, and then what did we watch? Let's see. Oh, Howling 2, which I had never seen before because I always heard it was one of the worst movies ever made. That's true. It is so bad. <laughs> I have to save that for a Halloween horror where we watch like bad, bad movies. Right. Actually, no, because I don't want to watch it again. It's <laughs> that bad. It's on Amazon. It took me five nights to watch it. I watch it a little bit when I, as I'm laying in bed, going to bed, uh, and just like, eh, I'm, I can't handle this. <laughs> I don't want to watch this anymore. My brain isn't ready. But uh, Howling series for me is so bad from start to finish anyway. I've never been a fan of it. Uh, there's not really... If you want to watch a werewolf movie, I'm going to watch an American Werewolf in London and, and Silver Bullet. And that's about it. And again, Silver Bullet's not even that good. It's fun. You got Gary Busey in it. And uh, shit. The Corey. Corey Haim. You know, so it's got it's got a and, uh, big Ed from Twin Peaks. I forget his name at the moment. But, you know, it's got a good cast, so it's entertaining. But werewolf movies are just so... I don't know. They they gotta they gotta be good, and there's there's really not that many. Let me phrase that. There's a lot out there, but you don't really hear about them <laughs> too yeah. much. A lot of garbage. Yeah, exactly. There's there's way more shit than gold when it comes to werewolf movies. American Werewolf's gonna be number one. Jesse just like best werewolf. Bam. Yeah. Uh, of course, Lon Chaney's werewolf, uh, Wolfman back in the day. The Wolfman remake I didn't personally like. Wolf with Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer was a more dramatic take on it. wasn't terrible. Wolfman was garbage. Underworld, you got vampires and werewolves. It's not really a werewolf movie. I know a lot of people like Ginger Snaps. It's all right. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. there's a different reason usually guys watch it. Okay, oh, oh take it back. Wolf Cops, fantastic. Wolf Team Cop. Wolf. Oh, oh, good, good call, Jesse. <laughs> I don't even think of that as a as a horror movie. Technically, you could say it is a comedy horror. Although the the horror <laughs> Who's is scared like scared of it. Who knows? Yeah, but. I mean the horror is like it's not horrific at all, but it deals with werewolves. Werewolves are the things of nightmares, yeah. etc. So. Uh, but yeah, Wolf Cop, it's a, there's a sequel. I didn't like the sequel, but the first one's actually really funny. Uh, of course, it's meant to be ridiculous. It, it's, it, it's if you like Return of the Living Dead, you, you would probably like Wolf Cop. It's that ridiculous type movie. Mm. Uh, Brother of the Wolf, that's not a werewolf movie. It's a big wolf, actually a lion. <laughs> so it's not even, that shouldn't even be on here. These are uh, movies that have a werewolf in it. Let's put it right. in there. Harry uh, Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That had a werewolf <laughs> Right. I mean, you're right, but like for a werewolf list, I'm like, right. Yeah, I wouldn't even include it. Like, you know, hey guys, what's your favorite werewolf movie? Ooh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. You know, Doctor <laughs> cut to Dr. Evil. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's not that. I mean, as you can see, it, it, there's so much garbage in the, the werewolf genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's good. You know, there's some, but the good is really good. The bad is utter shit. And there's some guilty pleasures in it. I mean, you know, again, the Howling series is not good. But uh, like I think part four and part five are actually, they're bad. But you know, they're you know that they're stupid. I'd never seen an American Werewolf in Paris and Autumn's like, oh, I love that movie when I was in high school. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we'll watch it. I didn't finish it. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Horrible CG. Oh god, I was like, I was just like, this this is bad even for me to watch. Like I don't even because wow. back in the day it was it had the Bush song as a tie in for Bush's second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mouth, nothing hurts like your mouth. That was like the big <laughs> single off that album was in that film. Just garb, like what a dumb, stupid movie. <laughs> you know, if you're going to watch a werewolf movie, you need to watch an American Werewolf in London. Or Teen Wolf. Yeah, there you go. end of line. Uh, or well, again, Teen Wolf, Wolf 2. <laughs> Jason fucking Bateman. I don't Jason know. Bateman. Why do people, uh, I don't know. I'm just not a Jason Bateman fan, sorry. No. We talked about that before. Now, I haven't seen Dog Soldiers, but I've heard some good things about it. I'm probably gonna try to watch that this month, because uh, that usually that routinely comes up on like good horror movies that you've never seen. Mm. Uh, so I'm actually gonna get Neil Marshall. Eight. Neil Marshall is that a interview with a vampire? Oh no, uh, Descent. That's why. That's where it was a different Marshall that did interview with a vampire. I think pretty sure. But anyway, yeah. So you've just been watching horror movies every night. 
you know, I can't, this 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 year I've been watching, trying to find out find the ones that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. or might might have only just seen a bit of, or don't remember. Uh, last night we also watched Basket Case, which I've always heard about, but it always sounded so dumb I just stayed away from it. It was hilarious. the 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 brother puppet spoiler alert for Basket Case is absolutely hilarious. I w- I split a gut watching this film. Uh, it is a cheap horror movie. It's trauma level almost in terms oh, of like wow. the ridiculousness, but. It's it, this is a bad, good horror movie. I was rolling, and there's like three or four sequels. It was good enough to where, if you know, if I'm looking for something to watch and I have nothing else, I'll watch a sequel. I'm not gonna go out and like, oh, I gotta watch part two right now. But the yeah. first one, it was, uh, it kept me entertained enough to recommend it. Uh, again, it's one of those. Uh, if you, in fact, I think it's on Prime as well. It's a hundred greatest horror movies you've never seen. This was one of them on that list. I remember because I remember saying, like, that's what ref, re, re, yeah. that's what refreshed my memory. Like, oh yeah, I've never seen that one. I need to check that one out. And sure enough, glad I did. It's ridiculous. The puppet is stupid. They even have stop motion in it. That just I'm just dying laughing. There you go. That's what you're in for, Jesse. <laughs> it's so bad and so funny and just ridiculous. <laughs> It's so stupid. It's it's so dumb. But again, it's entertaining. If you like dumb shit, it's <laughs> it's entertaining. It's it's so bad. It's good. Uh, we did get an email from our. Uh, I believe the. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, but I believe you're the president and Pete's the vice president of the UK 80s Revisited Fan Club. But uh, Pete says, "Hey guys, how you both doing? Sorry, it's been a while. Congratulations on becoming a father. I'm sure you're doing a great job. Uh, well, I think so. <laughs> That's my kid in ten years, yeah. 15, 20 years. If I was a good dad." Uh, he says, I've been traveling a fair bit lately. Went to Rome and Italy last month. I'm going to Spain next week, so mainly working and saving for them. The good thing is most places in Europe are only an hour or two on a plane from London. That's why it's so awesome to live over there. And that's why when we went over to Rome, uh, uh, Florence for my brother's wedding, it was like, look, everything is right here. We have to make a big, we have to save up. We have to make a big trip out of it because we're already there. Two hours this way is, you know, this. Two, three hours that way is, I mean, we're we're at the epicenter epicenter of most of world history. We have to go see this stuff. So 100% agree with you, Lee. I would, again, if I, if I lived in London, I would travel so much more. Would have already. I mean, y'all can hop in the train and go to Paris and be in Paris in a couple hours. Under the English Channel, Channel slash Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, let me see. Uh, I love the last episode of Return of the Living Dead, by the way. One of my favorites. Uh, so it's, oh, and he spells, you know, English people, or, you know, European English England, Grand Ole England, England people, you know, favorites with a U. I actually read, found out why, like, color over here doesn't mm-hmm. have a U, favorites doesn't have a U. Apparently, it's because when you would type stuff, everything was by the letter. So, Americans started leaving <laughs> off unnecessary letters to save money in terms of, like, typing things and printing stuff. Wow. I don't know if that's true, but it makes perfect sense because we're so fucking cheap over here. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, anyway, he says, one of his favorites says it's so easy to watch. Do you like the typical 80s synth song when the gas first comes out and rains on the graves? Loved it. 100% agree. That type of music is badass. In fact, I recommended it before earlier this month, I think, or whatever, but A Gunship, the band, has a new album. They have a song, it's called uh, Dark All Day. The title track has the saxophone player from, uh, his name escapes me at the time, from Lost Boys on a track. Mm. But it's all that, it's a very synth 80s type group. Their first album's fantastic, too. If you like that kind of stuff, Lee, definitely give Gunship a, a listen. In fact, you can definitely you can go to YouTube and they have video, videos for a lot of their stuff, so you can check it out there for free before you buy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Mandy. Looks right at my street. Don't think they're showing it in any cinemas near me, so I might have to wait for it on DVD or something. I mean, it's on iTunes here. I'm not sure if it's over there. So, I mean, it is out digitally, if you get my drift. Arr, matey. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What do you think of Hereditary? I love it so much. A load of people I know didn't like it for some reason. Think it was too intelligent for them, as they just like predictable horror films with tons of jump scares in them. I liked it. Uh, of course, going into it, it was billed as the most terrifying movie you've ever seen, which I think that was from a lot of the people that you mentioned that don't usually see movies like that. I thought it was fantastic as well. Uh, but when somebody says this movie, when I when all over the place, this movie's terrifying, blah blah blah, and your people just rave about it so much, does you know going in? I went into it with higher than expected expectations. So I was like, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't disappointed. I liked it. Exceptionally shot, exceptionally acted. A very, this is the type of movie that I like as opposed to that paranormal activity kind of bullshit. You know, where it's like, oh, jump scare. Like, you were, like exactly like you were kind of saying, Lee. Where this is so much more psychological. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I said that about ten times in this film. 
Mm. Uh, so I would recommend it. You know, th- this and Mandy make a great double feature. You know, sip your drink through Hereditary so you can pay attention and follow along. And then when, mm. it, when as Manny kicks, you know, that's when you start doing two shots of vodka in your <laughs> Moscow mules, and you'll be you'll have a great night. Uh, so yeah, definitely agree with you on there. Are you both going to any Halloween parties? Yes, Jesse throws them. Uh, now, what are you dressing as? I'm going as one when I get back from Spain. I'm going as Art the Clown from Terrifier. I've heard, and, uh, oh, let me finish. I, have you seen it? Highly recommend it if you haven't. Great film. Looking forward to your next show. All the best, UK Lee. Haven't seen Terrifier, but I've heard about it, so it's one that's on my radar. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what we were for the Halloween party after it happens on the 27th. <laughs> so we'll, we'll fill you in when it happens, but we, do, we, do, uh, we used to host, host at another friend's house. Sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm running on empty. Empty. I knew that we get the song stuck in somebody's head, uh, but anyway. And then uh, last year we went to Jesse's, so now we host here and just. I used to host it years ago. Oh yeah, but, like, yeah oh that's right. It, it came back home, just like Michael back. Myers. The night the party came back home. Uh, that's it's right. Our fifteenth year or something like that. Yeah, I mean it, every year before. It's just not, it wasn't too long. I mean four or five years. It wasn't at your house. Yeah. I think when y'all moved to Port Allen was when it stopped, wasn't it? Was mm-hmm. that the year? Because we never had it in Port Allen. Yeah. So that was the last year, and then when y'all moved back here, last year was the first year it came home. Came home. So yeah, Jesse is the originator of the Halloween party, actually, uh, mm-hmm. truth be told. We just... Between Matt and I. Yeah. We merely adopted it. Jesse was born in it. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, we'll have pics of that on Facebook. We'll share stuff that on our Facebook page and all that stuff. So we've got to keep the cat in the bag for a little bit longer. But next week, continuing the Halloween horror as we talk about more zombies... A different kind of zombie next week. We've done, you know, Turn Living Dead 1 and 2 this, uh, so far this month. We've had, you know, the funny zombies. Still gross, still uh, horrific in some regards. More so in part 1, not part 2, as I mentioned. But next week we're going to be talking about some voodoo zombies. As we talk about Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow. Starring one, starring one of my least favorite actors, Bill Pullman. And I say that yeah. lovingly. I like Bill Pullman, but he's not a good actor. <laughs> I like him. To me. Independence Day. (laughs) See. And that's it. uh, Spaceballs. Lone Star. Yeah, that's true. He's he's done some good stuff. I don't dislike him, but I don't think he's a good actor. So, like. He's Bill Pullman. Yeah. And everything. And I I would be starstruck to meet him. I'd be be like, oh, I love. You know, I'd tell him and I'd kiss his ass. Like, oh, Bill, I I loved you in Spaceballs. You're great. You know. I bet he's an asshole. He probably is. Like, like Bill, uh, Bill. Like Bruce Campbell, his brother's Billy. Uh, Bruce Campbell says, <laughs> Google, is Bruce, Bill Pullman an asshole? <laughs> uh, it says, like, usually people that play good guys are assholes. The villain, people who play villains are the nice people in the world. So, I don't know. Maybe if we'll ever do some conventions, we'll find out. If he was coming to Comic-Con, I would go, like, he would be one I would go to meet. Just because of his stuff. He does a good, spoiler alert, he does a fantastic job in this film. But it's just, honestly, Casper and Independence Day just kind of soured me on him. Because... The lines, and, and honestly, it's it's a lot of the script. The uh, in Independence Day, you know, it's it's the script. It's a big thing with uh, what he's. I'm assuming he didn't improvise too much. I'm just assuming it's the script. I mean, the lines he has to say, "Mr. President, what the hell do you think you're doing? I'm a pilot, Bob. I belong in the air. Yeah. No, you're the fucking president. <laughs> you're going back over here." Because he didn't do anything. He was born a pilot, though. He was elected president. Randy Quaid did every, you know, <laughs> save the day. Ah, and he's true. he's a crazy trailer park guy. So you see, you don't have to be president. You could be you you could be living a trailer park right now, and you could save the fucking world, or at least the United States Oops. slash Area Fifty One, the last right. surviving bit of our corrupt, horrible government from being annihilated, and <laughs> some innocent people too. But you know, every day that I drive these horrible roads, these fury roads in mm. Baton Rouge, the more I just realize how right Thanos was. Yep. Anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to listen to our good friends uh, Near and Far, Near and Lafayette with Now vs. Nostalgia, John and James. New episodes for so long, but I miss those guys. John, James, hope you guys are doing well. And of course, our brother from another mother from down under, Ben the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt, with uh, the resurrected Asia Mania podcast and the ongoing BAMcast, the Badly Awesome Movies podcast. Still going strong, so give them a listen. And as always, tell them 80s for Visited sent you. And if you want to let us know anything, anything that we missed, death threats, all that kind of stuff, 80 at gmail.com, Facebook and Twitter, you can find us on there. 
I get emails every day like, you have 800 notifications from 80s visited. <laughs> it's not 800. I'm, and you if, pick if, like, if it was, I would pay attention to it. You pick like two or three of them to yeah. read. <laughs> so I just, I, just, I just can't get into the Twitterverse. I've tried. It's just, I don't, <laughs> let me just go back to Facebook and everybody knows it. Yeah. But anyway, so, but until next time, I remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said to leave. Cowabunga! Find this show and more on Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.